Uh, hello, Recovery Fam. It is great to have y'all back for a, another great season of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast and another great episode. Uh, this is the Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh and Drew. That's Drew. Hey, guys. I'm Josh, and welcome to a n- brand new season, season four of Unashamed Recovery Podcast. This is hopefully finding y'all sometime in the spring of 2023, and... To bring you more bang for your buck this season, get ready for more episodes. That's right. Gone are those days of just one episode a month. Starting season four, every other week, we'll be dropping a new episode for you. So you're getting two episodes a month. We're going to be having testimonies and topics. And so, hey, yeah, without a further delay, go ahead and roll that intro. In three Two, one. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh and Drew starts now. And here at the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, we believe that there is healing in the story of our scars and that it is okay To not be okay. We believe it is our sole mission to break the shame and stigma of addiction in recovery by sharing real stories of real addiction from real people in recovery and real sobriety. Enough of that. Let's dive into today's episode. Yeah, and you know, today I'm I'm very excited because today we're going to kind of jump off of our our normal. We're still staying in the realm of recovery, uh, but we're kind of going off into a topic that doesn't get discussed much in the recovery circles. Today, we are joined by a good friend of mine and Drew's, uh, Miss Stacy Smith, and she is coming all the way from Philadelphia. It was such a long drive. It was a long drive. <laughs> <laughs> and Stacy is going to be coming in, and she's going to be talking to us about uh, you know, compulsive overeating and her recovery from that. I guess you could call it as a, as a food addiction. I do. I do identify it as a food addiction. And in my recovery world, that's how we refer to it. And, you know, I think that is awesome. Uh, we don't talk about that. And, you know, the awesome thing about recovery is, as me and Drew has found out through Celebrate Recovery, is yep. recovery can be applied to all areas of life. Lives, hurts, habits, and hangups. And that's anywhere from alcohol addiction all the way down to grief. Right. I mean, it can be applied to anything in the spectrum. And we have a lot of people, I ain't going to say a lot, but we have some people who listen to the podcast and they apply recovery principles to their eating habits, whether they're a compulsive overeater or they're not eating enough. Either way, they apply those principles. And so today we're just going to take a deep dive into your story and we're going to bring more people on board and make this more aware to the masses. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Stacy. this, as we get into your story, what would you call the chapter one of your story? What would that first chapter be called? Set us up. What what would that look like? Like pre-recovery or just as I started? Yeah. What do you think, Drew? Pre-recovery? Let's go pre-recovery. Yeah. Well, I come from a a background like most people coming out of addiction. You know, a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of adult trauma. Um, Won't dive into that because I'm sure you've had people go into that. But pre, 
recovery. I actually started a Celebrate Recovery um, program. A friend of mine had started one in a local church, and and I was like, why do I want to go to a Celebrate Recovery? (laughs) I have no idea what addiction. I'm not addicted to anything. And mind you, at that point, I was probably 315 pounds. And um, But I did. I showed up just to support him. And I will tell you, there was just one really brief snippet. And they referred to maybe an addiction, not even to an addiction of food, but having, you know, like food being an idol. And I was just like, it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know. And I left there and I went home and just really started thinking about that. Went back the next week just in tears. And, and that was probably October um, but fast forward about three or four months later, God just continually dealt with my heart about that, that I was going to food for comfort and not to him. And um, I looked at a friend of mine at lunch one day and I said, I may be addicted to food. And they all laughed and just started saying, no way. And I said, no, I'm, I'm serious. I was being very honest, but nobody talks about that. Right. No, um, and so it was very odd, even for that to come out of my mouth. I had never looked into food addiction before, but um, surprisingly, a friend of mine right after that lunch sent me an email and the title of it said, food can be as addicting as cocaine. And of course, I opened it just because of the conversation we had. And then (laughs) everything after that is we were off to the races. So that's kind of chapter one for me, how I even became aware that there may be something I needed to look deeper at as far as my food. So do you think that that was kind of tied in or related to childhood or was that that was something that was picked up later? I My story, you know, and I only can tell my story, but I will tell you, I went back in my recovery. I was taken, when I was four or five years old, I remember going and talking to my mom about wanting children's Tylenol because it was sweet. Um, we were we were poor, and so a treat for me was a sugar cereal, and that was that was comfort. We would have ice cream, and so I look back and realize that I really was feeding myself comfort foods even at a very, very young age. Right. Um, And I think that that is something probably that's more common than we talk about. Um, Like I said, I was raised in a home where there was a lot of trauma. Um, Not going to get off into that, but I mean, even at a young age, I was looking for comfort, and food was readily available. So let's... Hit the pause button right quick, and let's define compulsive eating. What? What? How would you define that as it was in your life? For all the people out there who who are still Josh, Drew, what are y'all talking about? Like, right. what? <clears throat> like, how do you define the compulsive eating that was in your life? Well, a, a typical day for me was I always said I dieted in my entire life. And so I would start that morning out every day of my life saying, I'm going to do better today. I'm going to eat healthier choices. I would do great breakfast, lunch. About 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I was hitting that dip, and I would start eating from 4 to about 10. I never stopped. So I was snacking constantly. My portions were huge when I did eat. So it's almost like like a binge eater. I, I would really classify myself as more of a binge eater. And so it's just probably like any kind of any other kind of addiction that's binged like that. You do really good until you don't, and then right. it's off to the races. So, I I want to ask this because we we have a mutual fi- uh, friend with with Jeff, and uh, everybody remembers Jeff from season season two with Pride, Pride before the fall, yeah, Pride yep. before the fall. 
Uh, Jeff is a great friend of the show, and Jeff is a mutual friend between us and Miss Stacy. And Jeff talks about his alcohol addiction, mm-hmm. and he talks about how he would literally wake up in the morning and he would go to work, and it would be all he could think about all day at work about getting home and cracking open a beer on yes. his back porch. Was that some things that you struggle with in this area as well? Like, did you kind of think about it, or like, was it on your mind all day, all the time? All the time. I was planning my next meal. I'll I'll tell her kind of a, you know, I would, because I had a diet mentality, I would even think, I would, so I do pretty good sometimes during the week when I was doing really good, but I was always planning that cheat meal on the weekends. I mean, planning it. And if I didn't get to go to that cheat meal, I showed out. I did. I showed out. And I I have to be honest, because like, I really would show out and I couldn't even verbalize what I was showing out about, but it was because I wasn't going to get to go and enjoy that food. That's how bad it was. So that makes me, that makes me want to ask this question. Is it a form of like obsessive compulsive disorder at that point? Is it like an OCD type of deal? Because, you know, like you routinely eat the same things, you know, like for people in addiction, they routinely go to the same places for the same drugs. Like, so is the OCD, I mean, was the, Eating like that as well. Like, like compulsion? Yeah. That, oh, absolutely. Right. Like, because we're in Meridian right now. So, like, when I came to Meridian, I had a habit that I would go and get certain foods from different places. And I just, I would do it without even thinking. So, if I came to shop, I was going to go to certain places to get certain foods. So right. I, there's a lot of compulsions with eating. Lots of compulsions. Well, see, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, make a, uh, <laughs> a confession here on, on the Shane Recovery Podcast. You hear it first. Uh some of you is gonna come as a shock, but uh, I I too struggle with with eating. If nobody can oh tell, my gosh. Stop uh, it, but stop it. But, <laughs> that's what they but, always say. I always hate talking about it. <laughs> but with me, I've noticed I'm a sweet guy. Mm-hmm. I love like after I've done eating, it could be breakfast, lunch, supper. As soon as I'm done eating, I gotta have something sweet. Mm-hmm. And like I my I cannot continue on my day without having something sweet. And so it's on on those same lines. Like, I've I've replaced my porn and sex addiction with, uh, you know, that. And so, anyway, moving forward. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people have done that, you know, where they've replaced one thing for another. And, you know, I know for me, I swole up after after (laughs) rehab. It was just like, give me everything you got, and I'm going to sit down and eat all of it. But, you know, now I'm trying to get back to where I have a little bit of control over it. Right. Um, Not even just so much control, just just – the understanding of everything ain't good for you. You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of a situation. So, Well, Stacey, let me ask you this. For somebody who's listening and they're kind of, they may be in denial about their compulsive eating behavior. What does that kind of look like in our everyday life? Like what, I mean, is it a controlling factor over, like every moment, every thought, like do, are you planning out every second of the day around this? Um, I mean, wh- what does that look like in just a normal everyday life? Um, I think pre-recovery, there was a lot of planning on how to get to that next meal, the one that I wanted, not the one I knew I needed. Um, <coughs> I'm not going to say every second of every day, but I will give you an example like at work. And, and my primary food was sugar as well. Um, I In my recovery, I gave up sugar and flour. I just have a, a boundary there I don't cross. But 
sugar was the one thing. So even at work, I would have a bag of candy if I was at my desk and I would just randomly pop. So pop like candy in my mouth. And you do that because you're just, it's just, you don't even think about half the time what you're putting in your mouth. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's very tricky food because it's always in our life. We don't really realize. Right. I think it's harder to identify that like, yeah, I've got some compulsions around this because it is so widely accepted. And even like I said, I was 315 pounds. I'm only five foot six, five foot five. I'm shrinking a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, that was way, way, I was morbidly obese at that time. And of course, every time I went to the doctor or, you know, they were like constantly, you've got to lose weight. My health was tanking. I wanted to do better. There was shame involved in all of that. I mean, you go from like sitting in chairs and they're breaking and that's embarrassing in front of people um, to just walking in a room and not feeling comfortable in my own skin. And yeah. so I say all that to say, I mean, yeah, it's sometimes it's really hard to identify, though, what that compulsion looks like because it can look like so many different things. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, you know, <clears throat> and I think, I think that's why we have to have these kind of conversations because, you know, it doesn't look like the same for everybody. You know, it's kind of it's going to look different for you compared to somebody else. And I think that's why we have to break the shame and the stigma right. and have these conversations, these important conversations. So I got, I got a question, though. So with food being so common, you know, obviously everybody has to eat. You know, it's how we live. So. Right. That's common. <laughs> you know, yes. it's the common. But no, um, how, how do, what steps do you take to kind of regulate it now? You know, um, well, my, my, I, honestly, my um, addiction was so bad that I went to, at first, absolutely no sugar. I've not had sugar in almost six years. And that is because it's easier for me, just like an alcoholic or any kind of other person in, in recovery, it's easier to say, no way, no how, never, right. than to say, well, maybe in a few days I'll try it. So, I have a very, very strict boundary, and that really did give my mind peace. But that is a hard way to go because it is everywhere. Um, so it can look different for different people, but I was so far into not being able to control that. No sugar. I didn't do any flour of any kind. I weighed everything, and I only ate three meals a day. So I had to get really, really strict with right. my food plan. I did that for probably about three years um, and then I kind of reevaluated. I don't weigh and measure my meals anymore, but I do strict. I do stick to two meals a day, um, and still no sugar because those are two things I found that I would eat large quantities of food, too much quantities, and then sugar. Once I have it, it's it's over. So is that kind of like an intermittent fasting, the two times a day? I do, but that's just my that's my food plan. Right. That's not. I mean, it, and I think that's something everybody has to come up with. Like, what can you stick with? Yeah. You know, what is it that you can live in moderation? You know, yeah. that's the thing. Is we're looking for moderation. I will say to you, no food. And I say this to people all the time when they're talking to me about this. There's no food that's evil. It's it's what I did with it. I made it my comfort. And right. Well, you know, and I think that's kind of like with everything. Like necessarily, alcohol isn't evil. Right. <clears throat> it's you know, it's not a sin, but when we let it take over and let it control our life, then it becomes a problem. It's taking center spot in our life, the spot where, you know, it should be for God. 
you know, and I think that's what everything. So that that's interesting that you said that. So with those boundaries like that, what? Because that's got to have a part in your recovery. So what does that recovery look like for this? And for for the for the person out there wanting to know, you know, that may be like, man, how how does recovery plug into this? What does that look like? Yeah, I think early on because. Food addiction is not talked about, but my recovery looked very similar to somebody coming through an alcohol addiction. I had to change how I did my life, um, my social circles. My friends had to learn that I'm probably going to bring my food to these these social things. That was hard at first because everybody's asking you questions and you feel left out. And I'm telling you, everything that you deal with with an alcohol recovery, almost it's with food as well. And so... We socialize like that. We celebrate with it. And so my friends had to learn. I had to stop hanging out with some friends because you would not believe it. But when you can't go out to these restaurants and you're like, hey, I'm going to be bringing my food. They're like, it, it's just, it's weird how that happens. But very similar to that. I mean. So they stopped inviting you all together because. Yeah, because I couldn't eat the good food. <laughs> and I'm just going to say this because nobody says this. Church is. Church functions are the worst because the potluck meal, ain't nobody want broccoli and chicken. I'll just, I'm going to tell you this. I'm serious. I had some friends and I was like, hey, I'll bring the food tomorrow night. And they're like, I said, do you want pizza or do you want grilled chicken and um, green beans? And they were like, we all want pizza. And I'm like, okay. So (laughs) I'm I'm assuming that you're not welcome at the Baptist potlucks. They probably want you bringing plates. Yeah, they let me bring the drinks. They don't want me bringing the food. They want me to come and socialize because I have a good time. You get the tea, honey. That's what you get the tea, But they always say make sure it's sweet because I'll come up in there with unsweet tea and they're like, "Uh uh-uh, this is the South. You should get get them one time and just half and half it, you know? I've done it. I play all kind of jokes. That has to be one of the biggest insults in Mississippi. (laughs) Is when the people at your Baptist potluck <laughs> tell you to bring either the plates or the drinks. Yeah. Bring utensils oh, and the tea. Man. You have to have a sense of humor. I'm not going to lie. In the South, you really it, yes. you oh, yeah. have to have a sense of humor and roll with it. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that's that's good stuff. So, <laughs> While you three get your giggles out, let me tell the family that today's episode is once again sponsored by our good friends, at D's Automotive. Even though Unashamed Recovery Podcast is heard worldwide in over 42 countries, we cannot forget that we have a huge local audience all over Mississippi, and D's Automotive is a proud sponsor of Unashamed Recovery Podcast. D's Automotive has been serving the East Mississippi community and Meridian for over 42 years. D's is your one-stop shop for all your automotive cares and needs, including towing and unlocks. D's Automotive is located at 5024 Poplar Springs Drive. That's 5024 Poplar Springs Drive. Or you can give them a call at 601-482-1800. Better yet, just stop by and see Jeannie, Mike, and the boys and tell them Palmer sent you. Or you might want to tell them that Josh and Drew sent you. They'll probably know who those people are. Are you three good now? So anyway, moving on. So... Can we tie this back to the Bible about what does the Bible does the Bible say anything about compulsive eating? I know it talks about gluttony. Yeah. But I mean, you know, because we're trying to be more through a biblical lens with these episodes. And so we're trying to tie everything back scripturally. Right. So 
in because I, I know how you are. I know you've probably done a lot of research in scripture. Have you found anything in scripture that pertains to this that somebody can use? Well, and you you hit on one topic. There's of course there's nothing about compulsive overeating in there. Um, but gluttony, um, idolatry for sure. Um, using our body as a temple and just being healthy and being conscious of our choices. So definitely, I will tell you, my my scripture for this was Romans 12, 2, to renew my mind and how I looked at food. Also use a scripture that talks about all things are permissible, but they're not always um, they're not always good for us. I'm paraphrasing that. So right. those two <clears throat> scriptures, I really had to reshape my mind around food and what it's for. It's not for comfort. God is my comfort. He is the only place I go for comfort. Um and not food. And and food is, there are things, you know, food is, like I said, nothing about it's evil, but the purpose of it is for nourishment. I will tell you something as I was studying this out, um, the very first thing when Jesus went into the desert, the very first thing he was tempted with was food. 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 Yep. And I really sat and meditated on that a lot, that, you know, the enemy of our soul will tempt us. That's the first thing he was trying to get him to do. And food is so basic, and I told you mine started at such a young age. I really believe, for me, part of the reason why is, you know, if he can't stop me from doing my purpose, he will shorten my lifespan. And how many of us are really, we're giving our our life and the quality of life over to something like our food choices because I did a little statistical study. I was looking this morning. 40% of Mississippians are overweight or, or, or obese. And that means we live a shorter life. And, um, you know, you can take that's what it was, for, what it, what it, that t- statistic is for. But um, biblically speaking, I think God wants us to live an abundant life, a healthy life, a life that we are, you know, we're able to go and do what he's called us to. So I think there's a lot of biblical application. It's just like with anything else. But right. yeah. yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I studied that out for, for, I use a lot of scripture to keep me. Um, into my recovery, of course, I always say mine's a Christ-centered recovery. In Scripture, I read Scriptures every day. On my food plan, I would write a focused Scripture and really meditate on that for that day. And a lot of it was when I was struggling with wanting to cope with food or craving. Oh, the cravings lasted forever. Um, I will say I don't crave anymore. But, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Man, that's awesome. So I'm 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 assuming one of those for the cravings was that God will not tempt you, and he if if you are tempted he will provide a way out. Did you have that one for your, for your focus verse? I did, yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't the only one. I will tell you a lot of times, and and we didn't talk about this, but I use the word emotional eating as a woman, Ooh. but even men, yes, yeah. I did a lot of control on emotions. So a lot of my verses were about anger. Because I have a lot of anger, a lot of, about um, grief, you know, whatever I was experiencing that moment, instead of turning to eating it, for the first time ever, I felt it. I didn't like feeling those emotions, but a lot of my verses were about emotion and how I, how God was there to give me comfort. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Bible was key to my recovery. And you know, I, I want to go back just uh, a bit. Uh, a few minutes ago, you were talking about how it necessarily wasn't bad. Uh-huh. You know, because, you know, the devil tempted Jesus with it in the wilderness. You know, it, it wasn't a sin, but here's the thing. I think, and I, I've been working on this. I, I'm not completely done with it, but so much in our life 
is good, and we assume that good equals holy and of God. And we get this mixed up, and you know, sometimes what we think is good, oh, well, okay, th- th- I'm in the clear. Right. I'm good to go. And that's not necessarily the thing, you know. Yeah, food is good. Sex is good. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is good. But that doesn't mean it's of God. Like, look in Genesis with Eve and the snake and the apple. Right. The first thing she said was she looked at the apple and saw that it was good, and she partook of it. Yeah. Right. She got that mixed up. And so I think that's another important key, whether we're working on recovery from overeating, whether we're working on recovery from anger, whether we're working on recovery from an opiate addiction, whatever it is, I think we have to look at it through that lens. Right. Is this a is this good or is this of God? Right. There's a difference. Right. So I just wanted to point that because I, I heard you you went that way and I was like, it's it's part of America. I've been working on that. So <laughs> hey. but but anyway, so how does the compulsive eating cycle end? Oh, <laughs> That's a hard one. Didn't realize you were signed up for that one, did you? Well, I think I think it's honestly complex. Um, I would say without the power of Christ in my life, I mean, and I mean that, I don't know if I could have broke that cycle. But I think that setting healthy boundaries, um, I say that's hard, though, because I have coached people before, and, and depending on what your underlying issue is, if you put a lot of restriction on them, it's almost like it makes them eat more. Um, yeah. So go into the recovery model. You know, that really goes down to um, not being able to tolerate a lot of restraint. I won't get off into that, but when I hear that in my my people that I've coached before, I always know the underlying issue is something very specific, so we have to go there. But um, for me, breaking the cycle was getting away from that that food that I went to, which was sugar, getting it out of my life, just like any other addiction recovery, you know, getting myself away from that, letting the cravings kind of decrease, and then I and using the word to really get my mind right about it. But that's what that's what broke me free is just time mm. um and and discipline, you know, and just really selling out that. I wanted to live a healthier lifestyle, but it it is very it's as difficult to break a compulsive eating habit as it is any addiction. Right. Yes. It calls you back. It really calls your name. It's always there. Um, but but I will say the longer I'm out of it, the less pull it has on me. Hmm. So now imagine it would be different because like you you said yours is connected to childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine it would be different for somebody who was going through a compulsive eating, and it was out of just habit. Imagine yeah. they would be, like, they're similar, but imagine trying to overcome and break that cycle would be different for both of those. Because, like, with me, right. in my addiction, mine wasn't born out of trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, in sub recovery, we hear so much about, you know, getting over the trauma, working through, you know, doing your trauma work and all that. But mine wasn't born out of trauma. Mine was just habit and was born out of uh, just opportunity and breaking a habit. I mean, that's trauma work is hard. Like it's very hard. I'm not downplaying that, but 
just trying to overcome a habit because you're basically breaking a habit by starting a new habit. It's just a healthier, right? A healthier habit. <laughs> so, but anyway, so yeah, I, I would imagine the two would be the same and different on that. So that's interesting. Can I go back? I was just for giving you an example for habits. There's huge, even though mom was born out of trauma, I had habits of 38 years of eating in a certain manner. So 38 years of a habit to break. I had to do things like instead of eating from the TV to break that habit, I got up and I would go sit in a different part of my house. When I came to Mer- yes, yeah. when I came to Meridian, you know, I told you earlier in the podcast that I would have a certain cycle. I had to learn to drive a different way, and all that was habit breaking. And and we call I use something in my recovery called a habit stack. I'm sure y'all have heard that. I have not. No, I have not. Oh, either. habit stack. Okay. Well, a lot of times when you have habits. To break a bad habit, you you can go, if you have a, say, one bad habit is in a stack of two or three good habits, you stack a positive thing with another positive thing. So one way, let me just, I'm going to give you an example. Um, one of those things was to go eat in a different place. So I'm still eating and my routine is almost the same, but I just break the habit by moving into a different place. I use also habit stacks like every day, to get my word in and I, I use this is not this was part of my recovery but like I would go heat my food up in the microwave and I kept a devotional right there so I was doing something I was really familiar with I added the habit of reading scripture for that two minutes while I was doing my food and get so out of here. yeah that's a habit stack so hmm. you do something really healthy and you put that one habit on there and it'll break it but I also right before I would eat I would read scripture to remind myself not to overeat, not to want to crave, and whatnot. Because I was like you at the end of a meal, I wanted something sweet. Yeah. So I went into my meal with word on my mind, but all I did was put it at the microwave. So it's it's using your common behaviors Bam. in a simple way. Yay. Mm. Yep, gonna use that. <clears throat> Man. <laughs> Definitely gonna use that. I, I, I had to write that down. <laughs> Man, that, that is stacking. good stuff right there. Man, I'm I'm kind of mad that we didn't think of that, Drew. <laughs> That's the first. I, I'm a, I've been through a, like a bunch of recovery programs, and I've never heard that. Yes, one. That's that a first is, for me. Even the concept, yeah. You know what I mean? But it was interesting. You talked about how driving a different way. Mm-hmm. So, a really good friend of mine, a mentor of mine. Early in my recovery, he said that sometimes in early in his recovery, whenever he just would get stuck, mm-hmm. his therapist told him to drive a different way to work. Mm-hmm. Because we get in this pattern and this habit and this cycle of driving our same way to work every morning. So when you're trying to change, change up the things that you do every day. Small things make big things. Right. And so he said, go a different way to work on your way to work and then go a different way going home. Anyway, he said, that's very small. It's very minute. But he said it worked because it got him out of a rut. It got him out of a cycle. Right. So it was interesting you you brought that up because that, that reminded me of that. So, oh, man, we covered a lot of good stuff. Yes, that. like very much so. Man, habit stack. I'm gonna, yeah, that's that's gonna be a. I can already tell that's gonna be a, a high point right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Jordan, do you have any more questions? I don't. That was very informative. Like that was that was really really great. Yeah. So I enjoyed. Them. Let me. I'm, I think we're going to close out with this. You know, with everybody's recovery journey, there's a moment of okay, like here's my my end goal, like my here's my result, here's my aha moment. I'm I've I've made it. I've reached it. What does that look like in this area of recovery? Like, is there a end? Like, is it a continuous, ongoing journey with no finish line? Like, what I mean is is there a moment that people can kind of write down in a journal of "ha ha, I've made it," or is it just I'm always working to that next? I think for me, the the journey is about not thinking about food all day, every day. And I don't, I will honestly tell you, I have stopped. I don't think about my food. I enjoy my meal when I have it. When it's done, it's done. And I think that's, it's not about body. I will say this, it's not about body size or what you look like. Because honestly, there's some of those things you just can't control. Um, I'm not going to get off into that. We could do a whole body image thing (laughs) with that. And it's huge. (laughs) But my journey was, I don't want to think about compulsive behaviors. I want to live my life in a very free way. I don't want to be controlled by those obsessive thoughts. And I will tell you, it is very possible. God has set me free. And I just enjoy life. I don't, I'm not thinking about it. I can go and hang out with friends. I can go to the Baptist Association with my unsweet tea and sweet tea. And then we have a good time. <laughs> um, that was gold. That's freedom for me is to be around any kind of food and not be like, I'm missing out. I hate this part of my life. And I'm telling you, I don't. I have a good time. Well, so let me ask you this. So, like, let's say that you are at the Baptist Association potluck, and <laughs> there is your kryptonite sitting there on the table. Like, currently now, are you at a place where you have to white-knuckle it and, like, just bear through it and grit your teeth and, like, maybe, like, walk out of the room now? Or can you sit there in the room with that trigger, with that temptation? I can actually serve it. I do serve it. Boom. That's freedom. When you can serve it and and not think about freedom. it, that's freedom. Right. But that. I enjoy, I will tell you one thing I had to do was learn to enjoy the relationship with people and not that the, the food between mm-hmm. us. I mean, I'm telling you, God has really set me free, but it did take a while to do that. Yeah. And I didn't go serve it the first week. <laughs> okay. I, it probably took me a couple years, but yeah, I can serve it all day, every day. And it never bothers me. Well, and I think that's an important thing you just said. Like, if if you're in this area and you're struggling with this, don't go your second week and put yourself in a situation intentionally to to serve your. Yeah, your I don't favorite, do that. Like, yeah, you know, I I love to hear that you know you can serve that in your free from because like Jeff, Jeff, if you're listening, you tick me off like because Jeff. <laughs> was instantly delivered from his alcoholism. Like, he doesn't crave that. Like, he was just delivered from it. And that's not the case with me. Like, here we are. You know, we're five years. And I'm, like, five years sober from it. But, like, every day I wake up and I've got that. You know, it's uh, it's there. It's right. present. And so <clears throat> I'm always jealous of Jeff, if you're out there. <laughs> But, so that's awesome to hear that. You know, he's going to gloat about that, right? Yeah. But I want to tell you my mindset about that is I don't eat this food. 
I, I just don't eat it. It's not for me. It's almost like, I don't know if y'all like Brussels sprouts, but if you don't, it'd be like, uh, I just don't eat that. Right. And really, that's that's how I look at those foods is I just don't eat them. And so that's that it. took a long time to reprogram my mind that I just don't eat this food. And that's why I have that freedom and can do that. It As long as I missed it, craved it, and I'm telling you, my cravings lasted a long time. Um, holidays were bad for a long time. Mm, but, I can see that. Um Again, those are all other issues, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, it's just something I don't eat, just like you probably don't eat Brussels sprouts. Yeah, I eat I, a lot of Brussels sprouts, I, but. So. I've just gotten the last few years of eating uh, broccoli, so yeah. yes, I'm, 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 I'm getting there. Jeez. <laughs> well, <laughs> Stacy, this is this has been great. Um, this I think, I think you've opened up a whole nother window for some people out there listening who may have been struggling with this and they didn't know they were struggling with this. Or maybe they were struggling with this and they just didn't know what the next step was. So I think this has been great. Uh, I think this was very informative. Everybody, I hope you go back and rewind and take down the notes on the habit stack because that's going to be a, a huge, crucial part yep. of your recovery right there. Um. Uh, I'm going to go apply that, like, to a few things right yeah. now. Okay. <laughs> Today. Okay. Most definitely. So, yeah, so, yeah awesome. Uh, well, Stacy, is there anything that you want to say to somebody who's out there listening right now who was going through what you went through and they're stuck? Do you have a, a word of encouragement for them? Just that there is hope and you know, I, I encourage this for anybody in any kind of addiction recovery. You take it one day at a time. And if you do have a bad day, don't get stuck there. You just move to that next, we said next, next meal, and you just make better choices. And so just don't give up. That's the thing is do not give up. Um, God will give you that freedom. You know, it does take a, it may take a while, but just don't give up. And that's my encouragement to everybody I talk to because, is very very difficult at times, but there is hope. I'm I'm living proof that you can, you can come out of this and have a very very fulfilled life. I'm very happy with my life. Awesome, 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 awesome. Well, you know, there's a saying in recovery we we call it one day at a time. And I reckon if you're dealing with a compulsive eating uh, habit, then you can use one meal at a time. Yes. So that that's awesome. And Stacy. Just, um, I'm proud of you. You are the living embodiment of what the Unashamed Recovery Podcast is all about. You are a lighthouse for other people in the darkness of addiction, of compulsive eating. People, you know, you are a, a shining light for those people that are in the darkness. And so we're we're proud of you. You know, yeah, that's awesome. Man. Well, what is a good contact for you? What, what is a good email for somebody who may want to contact you or somebody who may want to uh, get you to come speak at their recovery group or maybe, hey, we have a big connection with other recovery podcasts. Maybe there's another recovery podcast out there that wants to get you to come speak on their show. What's a good contact for, uh, email for somebody? Uh, my best contact email is slsmith1210 at gmail.com. All right. And we'll have that down in the show notes for everybody, too. If you got any questions, and I'm pretty sure if, if there's any type of uh, reading material on the subject, you can reach out to Miss Stacy, and she'll be more than glad to send that your way. 
And with that, guys, that's all the time we've got for today's show. Uh, we hope that you picked up some good information. We hope that uh, it was a learning experience for y'all as much as it was for me and Drew. Yep. And uh, until next time, guys, we love y'all. We hope that y'all stay sober. But above all else, we hope that you stay unashamed. Love y'all. Love you guys.